This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. It's your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. We've got a really unique and fascinating author coming on, and I love the book. Uh, we've got Anthony Cava coming on. Anthony's going to talk to us about his latest book, Love Immortal. It's antique photographs, stories of dogs and their people. So it's a really fascinating book, and we'll get into uh, a little bit about what the book's about, how he came up with a great idea, how he did his research, all that wonderful stuff, and then talk to him a little bit about his writing styles and everything, and maybe even poke fun at his editors because we know how editors are. No, just kidding, editors. <laughs> so everybody, hang tight. We'll come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Uh, joining us now is author Anthony Cavo. Talk to us about his latest book, Love Immortal. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me, Tim. Oh, it's great to have you on board. And I tell you this book, big kudos to you, because uh, I have to tell the audience, uh, I'll let you go in the, the meat and the details and all the fun behind it. But, you know, it captures your eye right away, because this is a hard back book that looks like the old-fashioned books of long ago with the leather binding and every, all the wonderful photos and everything that's in there. And it's just chock full of, of great stories and history and uh, you know a remarkable collection of, uh, I guess, 200-plus uh, photos in here of people and their dogs and the love that we have for dogs, as we all know we do here at Pet Life Radio. So it's just a, a fantastic book. So big kudos, first of all, Anthony, on uh, putting the book out. So tell us a little bit about uh, Love Immortal. Love Immortal. Well, it started out with my love of uh, antique photography, which I've been collecting since uh, 1963. And I you know, began cataloging my collection not too long ago, probably about 2013, 14, uh, when I realized that I had about uh, between five and 600 uh, photographs of animals uh, with dogs with, with, with their people. And it was fascinating, just fascinating, because prior to that, I had assumed that uh, dogs during the Victorian era were certainly treated as uh, work dogs, or um, I never imagined they were bought, you know, in in the parlor, and certainly never imagined that people would go through the expense of having them photographed with them. So it was really a, a, an eye-opening, uh, you know, discovery. Yeah, because it's fascinating. Because when I look back through, you know, and some of the uh, the early uh, photos you have in here, dating back to say the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, it was a big deal 
to have a uh, professional photographer take a photo of someone and they've got all their fancy garb on and the best photo, the best part of the house. And uh, these people oftentimes were well-to-do as we say nowadays. And then all of a sudden you see a, you know, a small terrier sitting on their favorite antique table. that's probably worth <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars today. So it was really fascinating to me that, like you said, uh, that that actually happened. Well, the oldest photograph in the book is a daguerreotype from 1848. And when you think about that, that's only eight years into commercial photography. And it's a fascinating image because at that time, the exposure was at definitely a minute or longer, depending on the uh, ambient light. And there is this young girl, she's eight years old, and she has her hand on her dog's paw. He's sitting on a table and she's just reassuring this young puppy and it was enough to keep him still during that exposure time. And the photographer got this incredible image. And when you think of the challenge that he faced, it's just a very wonderful, clear, early, early image. But it does show the effect that just the simple touch of her hand on his paw had on this puppy, not even an adult dog, a puppy. Even kids from that time, you, you have blurry pictures. So I just can't even imagine a dog staying still that long. Yeah, because some of the photos in there, you mentioned the kids, some of the photos of the children are, you know, it looked like they're barely able to set themselves up to begin with. And then all of a sudden they have their dog with them and dog beside them. And uh, I thought that was fascinating. I I have a hard enough time keeping my schnauzers still long enough today with advanced digital technology, let alone what they had to do back in the day. Yeah. And we, you know, I I can't remember a time growing up where we didn't have dogs, but we especially had schnauzers. Uh, I love it. I love, knew I liked you from the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we started out with uh, um, a rescue schnauzer. Uh, it, was, uh, it was, you know, kind of a horrible story. You know, someone had died and they were having an estate sale and they called my mom in because she was an antique dealer. And she heard this whimpering from the basement and they said, well, that's the dog that was in the house with the person. And they had it in this dark basement. And of course, my mother couldn't leave without the dog. We, we left with the dog and nothing else. <laughs> but that was our first schnauzer. Wow. Wow. Well, good on you guys uh, bringing home the, the new schnauzer to you. And I'm sure you had a great, great life. She did. Then she gave us four pups, too. <laughs> there you go. So little do you know, you think you're getting one dog and you end up with four. Five. I know, I know yes. five altogether. That's right. I know that story. So when you were talking about cataloging, because obviously you said, you know, your your mom's uh, was involved in antiques. And I know you're yes. involved in that and you've got these wonderful collection of photos. Did you have an inclination before that time that, hey, I could put together something here that is really remarkable and it focuses around people and their dogs. Or was it more of once you start cataloging it, you were like, my gosh, I got a lot of photos with people and their dogs. Yeah. As I collected, anytime I saw a photograph of a person with a dog, I typically bought it. I was always attracted to that. Uh, There are certain things that I am attracted to in, in a photograph, but across the board, anytime there was a dog, chances are I would wind up taking that photo home with me. As you said, when I was cataloging, I was amazed at how many I had, but starting to look at them each on their own and seeing the rapport that the owners and and the dogs had with each other, that's what really hooked me and, and made me know that I had to share these because, again, I don't know how many people thought of 19th century dogs as simply work dogs or, you know, mistreated farm animals, but this really was very enlightening. And it was to the point where I knew I had to do something and I started putting them together about 2015. Wow, that's amazing. Because the research behind it, that was the next question, uh, you know, here we're in 2022 and we finally get this 
fabulous book in, in our little grubby hands. So we, I'm not, yeah. I try to keep my grubby hands off because of, it's so pretty. <laughs> it is good looking. You know, it's funny. I, I, um, in 2015, I just decided uh, to self-publish. I, I self-published one book, which is very similar to this, but it's Brides from 1840 to uh, 1940. And I never even thought of going the traditional publishing route. And subsequent to that, I, I did three more on children. But all along, I worked on this dog one. And that's why I think it came out so well, because I took my time with it. And the research started probably at, at, before 2015. But I had always had articles on on dogs and pets in general. So I kind of had uh, a head start. There you go. Well, that's the beautiful thing about writing and adding animals to a book. Because now you have Love Immortal with your dogs. Next one, we can have Love Immortal with our cats and then our horses. Many Victorian photographs with birds. There you go. Editors, are you listening right now? <laughs> Hopefully you've got it all lined up and ready to go. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about then the, uh, because not only has, you know, chock full of just wonderful, wonderful photos, but the research behind it, uh, because you actually have, you know, uh, background on the photos and you have stories and things attached to it. And I can't even imagine here you are, you know, with a huge collection of these photos, your category, you know, put them in it to uh, catalogs. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get this epiphany to do this. And um, now you got to go back and find the history behind it. And who are the, who are these people? Who are these dogs? And where did this come from? And if you can't find the exact people, how do you find at least the, the historical aspects of it? Well, you know, as I say, I've been collecting since 1963, and I've read ever since I could remember about photographs. So I really did have a head start in terms of dating. I can look at a photograph, and certainly by the medium, whether it's a daguerreotype, ambrotype, uh, ferrotype, CDV, whatever it is, I can date that within even a couple of years sometimes, even to specific years, based on cardstock, based on the image, based on fashion. And then on the others, the very old ones, fortunately, there's a lot of information about photographers from the 1860s, especially English photographers, and you can see when they were in business. So you can you know, use that also to date. And then there was this unique period during the Civil War, 1864 to 1866, where every photograph in, in the North, at least, was taxed, and uh, they had to put a postage stamp on the back and hand cancel it and date it. So those photographs from that period of time, there's no doubt about the sometimes the exact day. Um, but fortunately, many, many people did write their names and the date that the photograph was taken. And on many of the other photographs that I have a particular city or country on, it is because of the photographer or the writing, which I got such an education in, you know, trying to figure out languages, especially the Slavic languages, you know, deciphering Russian and Greek or Lithuanian or Latvian. So uh, those are other ways I can definitely pinpoint the origin of the photograph. But dating them was the easiest. Wow. To me, that would be, you know, just trying to dig through all that because nothing's worth I'm reflecting back to having the big uh, trunk upstairs in my house of family photos and, and my wife's family photos and stuff that, you know, gotten handed down. And there's nothing worse than having a photo with, uh, unfortunately, the person or the person's family not being around and there's no name on the back of it. You're yes. like, <laughs> yes, that's, that's absolutely right. And then again, when you get to the later photographs, like 1890s, 1900s, we get into that wonderful period where people had cameras in their hands 
and they're taking these photographs just willy-nilly of their in their regular clothes and their in their normal settings taking silly pictures pictures with their like you'll see there's a couple of pictures and i can't even explain them of uh, someone in a witch's costume sitting with two nurses and a dog and then there are two clowns two women dressed as clowns with a dog on their lawn and these are wonderful because typically they did put the information on the back or they took them and sent them to a relative and had the information on the back. So those later pictures are wonderful because they're just uh, unique. They're just vernacular and it's the way they were. Just just wonderful. And, you know, it's always good uh, that you provide the story and the history behind it because ironically, I was flipping through the book again and I saw the exact one you said with the two nurses and the person in the, uh, the little yeah. witch's costume and the dog. And if you saw that on face value, you'd think, well, that's that's a really cool picture, but what in the heck you got? What were they doing? <laughs> what were they doing? And it's exactly. like, oh my gosh. So it gives the history behind all, all that as well. And I love how you put the book together as far as it's chronological by year and it gives the history behind the, the years. And like you've been so eloquently uh, uh, telling us uh, today during the show, you know, the background and how, how you can tell the, uh, you know, the style and, and how you go, you know, was done in the earlier days. And then as it progressed through the years, how the photography uh, changed, as well as the people. Like you said, it, it became more of just a uh, commonplace. Fortunately, they're not taking pictures like we do today of what we're having for lunch, maybe with our dog, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it was progressing in that fashion. And you know, the beauty of the, of the photographs is when you look at them, it really is all about the dog. No matter what kind of backdrop they have, no matter what kind of furniture, no matter how cute the kid is, your eyes always go to that dog. And there's so many wonderful, the dogs have that wonderful way of cocking, you know, tilting their head and having their ears erect. And there are many in there like that, where you just see that dog's personality and the people become almost secondary or invisible when you look at these photos. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing I love about it is the the collection of dogs, the types of dogs, you know, and, and you could sort of think back to this when you first open a book and you start thinking, okay, this is dating back to the late 1800s, you know, early 1900s. And uh, you know, those breeds have been around longer than than even these photos, but you don't catch yourself, you know, thinking of that. You don't catch yourself, you know, expecting to see a, a Schnauzer or a, a Kyrian Terrier or, uh, you know, a Shepherd or whatever it may be. So it was really fascinating there too. And uh, it also reflects back to, to today, uh, you know, a lot of times people, you see a dog and a person together, and I'm not saying we all look like it. We don't all look like our dogs. <laughs> I wish I had a beard like my schnauzer, but I don't, <laughs> I don't, but, but on the other hand, you know, you sort of match it up, but uh, just like today, sometimes you see a dog and a person, you're like, how in the world did they, did that happen? Yeah. Well, there are several photographs where I mentioned that, where you do see the similarity between the person and the type of dog they have. And it's, you know, when you see that, you just, you think, wow, did the dog look like the person or the person look like the dog or were they attracted to each other because of this? But the fascinating thing is, you know, there were several breeds that immediately I said, okay, that's a pug. And then I kind of second thought myself because I said, you know, the legs are a little too long. The body's a little too long. The snout is not pushed in enough. But what the Victorians did is they picked out the qualities they liked the most and they bred them. So over the years from the time 
Queen Victoria had her pugs and, you know, uh, she raised like 30 something of them. From that time till today, the pugs legs have gotten shorter, their body has gotten shorter and their snout, of course, has gotten uh, shorter. So yeah, you can look and say that's a pug or that's a poodle. Poodles are another breed that you, you see a big difference in 100 years. So it's pretty incredible to look at these dogs and say, I think that's a poodle, but it is a poodle, but it's a poodle from 150 years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. And sort of like breeding, you know, is, uh, you know, today, as we continue to develop into more of an, a, uh, an urban society, we bred the dogs down smaller, smaller. I mean, even one of my schnauzers is a, uh, a toy. She's not a mini. Uh, she's not a toy. And then they've got one even smaller than that, a teacup. Then today we see a lot of the breeding. You mentioned the poodles, but poodles are hypoallergenic. So people with allergies, they breed them with uh, a lot of other different breeds. Uh, I think they're 60, 60 plus. Hi, buddy. And here's our Labradoodle. There buddy. we go. Keep me straight. Um, there are 60, I think, believe 60 different poodle, oodle mixes that uh, are, you know, you can find online at the, um, I'm trying to think of the website that lists all the dogs, but yeah, there are 60 different oodles. <laughs> There's oodles and oodles of oodles. That's it. That's it. And the, you know, when you talk about the, like AKC, for instance, uh, you know, how they acknowledge different breeds early on, they didn't uh, want to acknowledge that. And now it's, it's an acknowledged uh, breed in particular. So uh, that's fascinating. And I have to say Dennis Sprung, uh, uh, the president of the American Kennel Club was so, so generous in his review and also in helping identify uh, many of the mixed breeds. That's great. And it's always good to have that contribution using, uh, you know, people of different knowledge levels in different yes. areas to, to contribute to it for sure. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more to author Anthony Cavo about his book, uh, Love Immortal, Antique Photographs and Stories of Dogs and Their People, and talk to Anthony a little bit more about the research and the writing of the book itself. So everybody hang tight. We'll come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Continue our conversation with author Anthony Cabo. His book, uh, Love Immortal Antique Photographs and Stories of Dogs and Their People. So you cataloged everything. You started putting this together in 2015. Seven years later, you've got a book that's, that's available uh, all over the place. Tell us about that 
more about that research process. And then more importantly, I said I was going to poke fun at the editors a little bit. And, and first of all, <laughs> convince them to do yeah the bird book and the course in the cat book. Uh, get on that right away. Sign, sign it if it hasn't been signed already. But now you've got uh, to narrow this down to, in this book, uh, more than 200. We'll say a little over 200. And I'm sure that, you know, we've got thousands of, of photos. How do you arm wrestle to, first of all, determine what you want to put in there and then what they say they want in there and <laughs> come to a well, compromise? Yeah. <laughs> that was the largest challenge. I All the photographs had to be uh, professionally scanned. And once they're professionally scanned, I had to restore these photos. So it's difficult to determine it. You know, you have an idea of which ones you want to use, but until they're scanned and until I restore every one, you don't know what the end product is going to be. So I did have 500 uh, photos scanned and I knew we had to cull it down by half, which was really difficult because I felt like I was betraying these, these dogs, <laughs> my, my dogs. And, uh, but ultimately it came down to how well they restored, um, which was very time consuming and how dissimilar they were. I, you know, I didn't want to have 20 pictures of, of dogs and a kid in the same exact pose. So I had to eliminate based on that. So I did get it down to about 240 photographs. Uh, my editor, Liz uh, Sullivan, she, uh, she was wonderful, but she was very challenging. In fact, honestly, about a half an hour ago, I wrote her a letter, uh, an email, because today is the release date. And in the letter, I did tell her, you drove me nuts, Liz, but <laughs> <laughs> you challenged me and it worked. I did also acknowledge the fact that I probably drove her up a wall with my, uh, with publishing is second nature to Liz. She's been in the business forever. It was brand new to me. And I'm sure there were times where I, I couldn't get an email through or I couldn't do an editing job, you know, without screwing it up. Um, so she had a lot of patience with me as well. So, but we did, <laughs> we did have disagreements on which pictures to exclude. And, uh, she fortunately yielded on many and, uh, and then later on, I had, uh, unfortunately, Liz left, and it was like changing horses in mm -hmm. midstream. Mm -hmm. And I had a second editor, and I did manage to push through the images I really wanted. And then that editor left, and I wound up with a third editor. And it was just, by that time, I just was a seasoned pro, because I feel like when I first, after HarperCollins made the offer, I had been given two or three different dates of uh, publication. And then finally, um, my editor told me that she wanted the book in April. And I said, April, this was in March of 2021. And I said, okay, April of 2022, that's doable. She goes, no, April of 2021. <laughs> and I said, it, you know, it's going to take two weeks to scan the photos, another two weeks to, you know, at least restore them if I don't go to sleep. So ultimately, after uh, scanning all the photos and restoring the photos, I did it in four weeks. But fortunately, as I say, I had been collecting information for many years. And when you're, when you're in this business, you have to educate yourself all the time. And fortunately, I would read every time I got a photograph and something about the dog made me, if it was the breed, I would read about the breed and I would collect information on the breed. So I did have a lot of information already. Yeah, the ever-shifting times of, of, of publishing, for sure. It, it's always a challenge. And, and, and like you said, a, a book like this, it takes some time, some refinement. It, it is, it's the physical process. It's not only writing about uh, the history and getting that down correct, but also you've got some uh, storylines and some background and things that had to be included. So this book took a lot of finessing. And uh, 
yeah, the publishing industry, uh, you sit around and wait for a long time and then they want it tomorrow. So, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Yes. You know, my agent approached uh, HarperCollins, ten, actually, uh, I think 10 different uh, publishers, and we had responses within less than a week from about seven of them. And, uh, you know, by March, I think they first, she first approached them end of January. By March, we had uh, signed with HarperCollins. So it was, again, hurry up and then boom, it was there. But I have to say that the, the, art, the artistic director, Ralph Gironi, did an incredible job with this book. He really saw my vision and he, he just, just did it. It was amazing. It is amazing what he did with this book. Yeah, absolutely. Because the photos in here, you know, for scan copies of, of photos that date back, you know, 100 plus years, 200 years, you know, almost. And the quality is fantastic. And I love the fact that you have to, in my mind, I'm thinking, I love black and white photos to begin with. I, I think that really brings out the the, the character oh, uh, yes, of a person. Exactly. Yeah. Even today, if we take one today, it, it, to me, it, it's a totally uh, different than having a color photo. That's um, true. And these are just so so crisp and clear and and perfected in so many different ways. And uh, like you had mentioned, the uh, uh, the dog's expressions sometimes they're like spot on. It's like okay, let's get this photo done. I'm ready. I'm yes. looking good. Yeah. My hair's parted just right. And the <laughs> other ones, you know, especially I had reflect my terriers. Of course, they're like Ugh, ugh, again <laughs> another photo. <laughs> so so dogs were doing this still back hundreds of years ago, and and they're still doing it today. So that's what I love about it. That's right. They're consistent. We change. They are consistent. They are consistent. So when people pick up a copy of Love Immortal, Antique Photographs and Stories of Dogs and Their People, obviously it's going to be a great read. It's going to stick permanently on the shelf. You know, it will come down off the shelf, but it's the way it displays, the way it holds, and the uniqueness of the book. This one will never uh, leave my my display here of, of, of books. But what do you hope they get out of it? Is there a main goal or goal or takeaway that you had going into putting this together, as well as now that now it's published? I think initially, you know, it was an appreciation of antique photographs because you know that is my passion and dogs, but. As different people saw it, you know, the, the book was sent out for reviews to different people, uh, of course, starting in, I think, April. It was amazing to, to find that no matter what their walk of life, where they came from, this is the one thing we all had in common. And, 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 and that's a beginning. You know, that is at least a commonality we can all share. And when you have something in common, it's almost like this, you know, brotherhood, right? sisterhood. That's what I love because I'm hearing from people from all different places and they're telling me. They love the book. They love the dogs and how much they love their dogs. And they're telling me their dog stories. And I'm listening to them and I'm hearing the same stories from so many different people about their love for their dogs. And I think walking up the street and you see someone with a dog, as I do all the time, I walk every day, no matter, you don't know them, but instantly you can talk to them. You can start a conversation. You start a dialogue. And before you know it, you're waving to everybody in town that you seem to know. But it's all because of this commonality of having and loving a dog. Absolutely. And you remember the dog's name, but not the person's name. Oh, if you're I, me. <laughs> exactly. You know, I have someone who lives up the street and the dog is Oliver and it's a little white pug. I say hello to Oliver all the time and I'm so embarrassed. I don't know the woman's name. <laughs> That's right. Don't know her name and usually acknowledge the dog and play with it first. And then maybe get around to talking to the person. Yes. <laughs> and I met a Portuguese water dog, a puppy the other day, and her name is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh boy. And That's funny. <laughs> she has a little white lace collar and That's I nice. see her owner and I don't know her name, but I know Ruth's name. 
<laughs> love it. It is a great and fantastic common denominator. And yes, yes. you're not alone. And I'm sure we're in a club by ourselves, not only loving dogs, but also not remembering the human companion's name. So, <laughs> well, everybody go out and pick up a copy of the book. It's uh, Love Immortal, uh, Antique Photographs and Stories of Dogs and Their People by Anthony Cavo. Anthony, congratulations on all oh, the hard work and the fantastic book. And Thank you. Yeah, I'll look forward to talking to you again. I want to see that uh, that cat book, that do- uh, that bird book. I want to I want a whole collection on the shelf of, of these wonderful books. The bird book might be a Cliff Notes edition because I'm I'm sure there's not that many photos of birds. But yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. We appreciate it. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you. Okay. Well, we're coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank the producers and sponsors for making this show possible. Uh, if you want to uh, drop us a note, find out who's coming on the show next, what's going on in this wonderful uh, cornucopia of entertainment that we have uh, at Pet Life Radio, and drop us a line at PetLifeRadio.com. And while you're there, check out all the wonderful shows. And uh, drop me a line on who you want to hear from most. If you've got any questions or comments about the show, we would be glad to entertain those as well. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Put it in a book, an article, a blog, however you want to get it out there. And who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.